1: Hi, and welcome to SpyCast from the Secret Files of the International Spy Museum in Washington, D.C. I'm Dr. Vince Houghton, the museum's historian and curator. Every week, SpyCast brings you interesting conversations with authors, scholars, and practitioners who live in the world of global espionage. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns about SpyCast, or if you want to suggest someone who might be a good future guest, email us at spycast@spymuseum.org. at That's spycast@spymuseum.org. at also, if you like what you hear, and even if you don't, please take a minute to review us on iTunes or whatever platform you might be listening. We're always looking for ways to make Spycast better, and you can help. We'd like to thank the Hackable Podcast for their continued support of Spycast. You'll hear more about them a little later, but first, let's meet our guest. So we're joined today by Mark Zaid and John Tai. Mark is a managing partner of the Law Office of Mark Zaid. He specializes in litigation and lobbying on matters relating to international transactions, torts, crimes, national security, foreign service, and diplomatic immunity, defamation, and the Freedom of Information and Privacy acts. Through his practice, Mr. Zaid often represents former current federal employees, intelligence military officers, whistleblowers, and others who have grievances who have been wronged by the agencies, of the United States government, or foreign governments, as well as members of the media. He's also the executive director and founder of the James Madison Project, a Washington, D.C.-based organization, with the primary purpose of educating the public on issues relating to intelligence gathering and operations, security policies, national security, and government wrongdoing. John Tai is a founder and executive director of Whistleblower Aid, which we'll be talking about a lot today. Before that, he served as Section Chief for Internet Freedom in the State Department's Bureau of Democracy, Human Rights, and Labor from January of 2011 to April 2014. In that capacity, he traveled overseas and advocated for the open use of the internet, free from government interference and monitoring. In July 2014, he wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post outlining his concerns about signals intelligence collection under Executive Order 12333. Also with his attorneys, he met with the Inspector General of the State Department of the NSA, the House of Representatives Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, and a public statement to the US Privacy and Civil Liberties Oversight Board, also something we'll talk about today. So gentlemen, welcome to SpyCast, and thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks. So John, I wanna start with you because we can use some of your personal experiences to kind of frame our conversation sure. today. So can you tell us a little bit, jumping right in, how you became a whistleblower? Just yeah,
2: so I was at the State Department. Uh, I worked in the Human Rights Bureau on internet freedom. And so my job was uh, basically free expression, privacy rights online around the world. Uh, So dealing with, uh, obviously, countries like China, like Russia, but many countries around the world. Um, After the Snowden leaks, uh, we were focused on reestablishing the US position uh, with respect to privacy rights in in forums like the UN Human Rights Council, the UN General Assembly. There were resolutions in both of those. uh, venues. There were also uh, a lot of bilateral issues with countries like Germany, obviously, uh, and others um, related to the Snowden leaks.
1: Um, so we were more or less in, deeply involved in the diplomatic response to to those leaks. So, but you were so you're State Department. You're looking at other countries and their internet freedom. What what made you privy to classified top secret information? It doesn't sound like a job that might have access to this kind of info.
2: So. Um, Part of my job was implementing uh, various human rights sanctions um, related to internet censorship. So as, uh, with that, I had a top secret SCI clearance to learn about um, what various companies and country governments were doing uh, to restrict the internet in their in their country. So that's how I had a top secret clearance. Um, following the Snowden leaks, there was a big push in uh, various venues like the U.N. General Assembly, the U.N. Human Rights Council, uh, to make statements on privacy issues. And so for us to adequately respond to those, I got briefed about the extent of U.S. signals intelligence collection um,
1: so that we could adequately represent American interests. And this is a time when everyone was focused on what was called Section 215 of the Patriot Act, because that's a lot of what Snowden was talking about, the metadata collection, So everyone's attention is on one particular type of bulk data collection the NSA was doing. Yep. You actually focus or tried to change everyone's focus to a different direction, saying something that was much more potentially dangerous than Section 215 and that's, we would already talked about Executive Order 12333. So what did you see uh, that you thought was especially problematic?
2: Sure, so uh, there are two different legal regimes, one for domestic activities by the NSA and one for uh, international, or uh, activities outside the borders of the United States by the NSA. FISA, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, and all the various amendments to FISA over the years govern domestic activities of the NSA, and that's where all the focus was immediately following Snowden, and really for a year following Snowden. What my complaint was, was in fact 12333, which governs foreign activities by the NSA, was a far bigger threat to Americans' privacy. And the way that works is uh, every time you send an email, like, I live in Washington, D.C., I send an email across town to Mark's Zaid here. Um, that's an email from one U.S. person to another U.S. person. If we're using Gmail, uh, that email itself gets backed up to over 20 different countries around the world, all the different Google data centers around the world. So uh, one of the reasons, you know, if one data center goes down, then it's backed up elsewhere. So even entirely domestic communications between two U.S. persons are stored in multiple countries around the world.
1: So literally, you're you're sitting three inches away from Mark right now. If you yeah. sent him an email on your phone, even though it travels three inches, I'm putting air quotes around that, it's being bounced around and putting in different countries around the world. Many
2: different countries yeah. around the world. And once the data leaves the borders of the United States, it's treated by the NSA as foreign person's data. and so. Uh, basically all the protections that Americans get under FISA, which are limited and insufficient as they are, none of those limited protections even apply at all to the uh, stuff collected under 12333. When you send a Gmail and it ends up in over 20 countries around the world, it's treated as a foreign person's data, the NSA goes and collects it, uh, and they treat you like a foreigner, which basically means you, you have extremely limited, close to zero rights over your data.
1: The NSA is not specifically targeting American citizens in this, and, you know, you've talked about incidental collection. Yes. Uh, And I I think that's something that we want to kind of lay out a little bit so people can understand what we're talking
2: about. Yeah. uh, So there's a lot of steps involved here. Um, The first step is targeting. Who is permitted to be targeted? So under 12333, only foreign persons can be targeted in general. Uh, In very limited cases, U.S. persons can be targeted. Um, but the targeting is, is less of a constraint than it might sound like because uh, the way it works is like this. They say, well, there's a foreign person in Pakistan who you know maybe is aligned with ISIS or Al-Qaeda. Uh, they're using Gmail. That means we can go and take all the Gmails. Not just their Gmails, all the Gmails. So literally billions of people can be swept up their data can be swept up, including millions of Americans, on the basis of targeting a single person.
1: You, you've, I, I see your brain working. You can't see it, obviously, over the podcast. But there, there's a lot of conversation I think you're having internally about making sure you don't say something you're not supposed to say. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the things I think is interesting about your particular whistleblower case is that you're always very careful when you talk to anybody on the outside. Um, you know, I read it something where you always have somebody with you when you meet with the press. You always want to make sure you don't release anything you shouldn't. And, and when you finally wrote this op-ed, I was, I was interested to see that you actually cleared it with both State Department and NSA, much in the yeah. same way anyone writing a book would have to go through the Publication Review Board yes. with CIA. How did that, handing that to NSA saying, I'm going to write this op-ed in the Washington Post, how did that go? It went
2: reasonably well. Uh, first of all, Mark here uh, was my lawyer. He, he gave me good advice on, on how to do it. Uh, I had to handwrite the op ed because uh, obviously th- the reason they review this stuff is to make sure that there's no classified information in there. Until they've reviewed it, they don't know whether or not there's classified information. And putting classified information on an unsecured computer system is itself a crime. So they require you to handwrite or typewrite. Uh, on a old-fashioned typewriter, these these uh, these submissions for pre-publication review. So that's what I did. I hand-wrote it. I uh, FedEx it in, and it was really within what about three weeks. They came back and said uh, we didn't find anything classified here. You can publish it.
1: And you're 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 law trained yourself. Yes. Yeah. Um, What's interesting also is you actually were praised by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence for going through the route that you went through. Because as I said in the the introduction, you didn't just go to the post. You actually worked these concerns through the required levels of of whistleblowing.
2: Yeah. uh, So they did compliment me. They commended me for saying, um, you know, for using the process that they had set up and One of the things I learned from this was, look, this process is imperfect. Uh, It's not good enough at protecting whistleblowers. It's still far too easy to fire someone for coming forward with a complaint. Nevertheless, it's actually more powerful than many people understand. Um, And even with things that the government might consider classified, uh, there are often a lot of legal ways to make that public. Uh, you have to. It, you, sometimes it takes more time than just calling up a reporter or going to WikiLeaks. Uh, maybe it takes a few months, but uh, it's often possible. So there is actually a, a document declassification process that you can try to use. Um, you can bring lawsuits in court to try to publish things, you know, really with a First Amendment claim. I have a right to speak what I believe, and the public has a right to know this stuff. You're not going to win every one of those cases, but you'll win some of them. and. Uh, often that can bring a lot of attention to bear on issues even if you end up losing the case so
1: yeah yeah so, so you're the new organization that you and you and mark are here to talk about uh, whistleblower aid I, it I think people uh, may immediately respond to this saying what makes you different than the WikiLeaks of the world what 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 makes you not a uh, an organization trying to focus on people leaking out information there's so many leaks whether it's it's not just new because of like, the Trump administration. There was leaks on top of leaks on top of leaks during the Obama administration as well. And they were very harsh in the way they prosecuted those. Uh, and, and I think a lot of people, unfortunately, conflate whistleblowing and leaking. Um, so what, what really differentiates this organization from something like a WikiLeaks where you're trying to inspire people to put out information the government certainly doesn't want
3: made public? Well, we're nothing like WikiLeaks. I mean, for one thing, WikiLeaks doesn't have any regard for the U.S. government. People could argue it has the exact opposite. It's there to receive information illegally and, and then publicize it regardless of the consequences. I've been representing national security whistleblowers for over 20 years. The goal is not to destroy the United States. The goal is to hold the United States accountable for anything that it's doing that it shouldn't be doing, that is improper, unethical, illegal, but at the same time it's there to protect the whistleblower people who are coming forward and doing the right thing shouldn't have to worry about losing their job career maybe even family depending on how the situation goes and in fact you know the United States on paper promotes whistleblowers and their existence and we want to make sure that that's a reality so for one thing we do not receive classified information we will not take it I mean I don't do that in my law practice I won't do it in this new legal organization it's illegal and we don't have the storage capability that's approved by the US government now I get classified information different from documents all the time because I have a security clearance in in the cases that I handle that's a completely different situation but we will take whistleblowers and provide free legal services to walk them through the system some of what john described we i did for him and we will do it completely legally with hopefully protection for the individual having a lawyer makes unbelievable difference in the world when we will not disclose classified information That, that is not the goal of the organization that shouldn't be the goal of anyone doing real whistleblower work quite frankly for both the whistleblower hopefully and, and even the, and certainly the lawyers because we're bound by ethical obligations that don't exist for journalists, don't exist certainly for groups like WikiLeaks. Uh, we have to protect the individual and f- for holding a security clearance I have competing obligations to protect the national security information which I will emphasize is not trumped in, as, a, as pun intended by my legal obligations, so in no way, shape, or form would I ever, could I ever betray the confidence of a client because there's national security information involved, the client's interests come paramount, and that, that for one thing, is a huge difference between any, anyone else that would be purporting to protect whistleblowers when they're disclosing classified information.
1: When you guys announced this on Monday, immediately uh, you, you caught the attention of WikiLeaks uh, if, you, if you follow any WikiLeaks or Mark on Twitter, uh, you'll notice that uh, they didn't take too well to this new organization. Um, they actually called you a whistleblower honey trap, uh, which you kind of have to frame that somewhere because it's, it's, it's delicious. Um, what makes you a threat to them? Like why, you, it almost seems from the outside, a layperson may look and be like, everyone's kind of working on the same team in this respect. Like, what? Why are they so knee-jerk,
3: negatively reacting to this, this new whistleblower raid? You know, I'm not entirely sure. I guess we'll have to ask Julian why, why he feels so threatened by me. I will, I suppose I can say, I, I, some of my responses back, and besides just kind of laughing at the comments that they were tweeting out to five million people, uh, some of the, the response really is, okay, we are offering free legal advice to protect whistleblowers to hold the u.s government accountable for any wrongdoing and you're what against that (laughs) all right so maybe that says a lot more about them than it does about us and i'd encourage anyone who's following them or supports them to you know take a long hard look at at my track record at john's track record of what we've tried to do of what this organization is set to do, which is completely nonpartisan. You know, we've been praised so far by members of Congress, on uh, both in the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, uh, as well as by people inside and outside of government. You know, former CIA directors. Of Congress. Yeah, I mean, we, and, and privately, I received com, you know, tremendous amount of support from people who are currently in government. The whole purpose of this organization is: we're not an anti-government organization. We want to work with the government to better the government, to strengthen the whistleblower laws, and you know, look, most honest folks that I know in the government, and you know, many people involved with the Spy Museum have been involved with the government at some point in their careers. You know, there there are an incredible number, vast majority of people who are honest in the U.S. government and want nothing more than to ensure the government operates ethically and legally and are supportive of whistleblowers. And when we can bring cases like John's was and show that, you know what, the system can work. What the understanding is that when you become a whistleblower and you bring information forward, it doesn't mean everything's going to stop on a dime and that everything you think you want to happen will happen. That's, that's just not reality in many things, in, you know, otherwise, You know, marriage divorce rate wouldn't be at like 65 percent. But the difference is to be able to bring the information forward legally to save the person's career and also make a difference in the discussion of whatever that information is to hopefully change, whether incrementally or maybe even dramatically, whatever that issue was. Well,
1: Well, John, let me ask you, because if you research whistleblower organizations, there are some out there. The U.S. government has a whistleblower protection program. There's right here in DC is the National Whistleblowers Center. Why do we need a new org- what's what's missing without, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to ask you to directly criticize anybody else, but what what gap, what holes do you guys fill that aren't being filled right now?
2: So first of all, we have a very strong focus on security. <clears throat> I would say Over the last several months, as we've been preparing to launch this organization, at least 80% of my time has been building secure systems to protect our clients, to protect prospective clients, to protect our supporters who go on our website and give us money. Uh, And so very deliberately, there's only one way to contact us. And it's called SecureDrop, and it's on the Tor Hidden Services Network, uh, which is basically a special, hidden, encrypted, anonymous part of the internet used by human rights activists, by journalists, also by bad people all over the world um, to try to do things in a secure, safe way. Uh, So in order to even contact us, you have to install something called Tor Browser, which you can get online. Uh, You can go to our website, whistlebloweraid.org, there's full instructions there. You enter a special onion URL into Tor browser, and that's the only way you'll be able to to send us a message. And that's really to earn the trust of people who work in signals intelligence, who understand the scope of surveillance today, who understand that really uh, email is not safe, telephones are not safe, text messages are not safe, normal web phones are not uh, web forms are not safe. Um, we we we're trying to create the safest mechanism for clients to contact us and we think that's really going to appeal to a lot of people so that's that's one thing that we're bringing to the table the other thing is look uh i think a lot of people today recognize that there are some serious threats to the rule of law today uh maybe exceptional threats beyond what's happened in the past and uh we are making a huge public push to bring more people uh Into understanding these issues to create a larger pool of potential whistleblowers Um, So we're running ads in half of the DC metro rail cars for this month Um, We have two of those big obnoxious uh, Mobile billboards that drive around on the back of flatbed trucks, which are driving around the White House, you know uh, down K Street Farragut West uh, near the Capitol we're going to we're going to the intelligence buildings themselves, so the NSA, the CIA, the Pentagon. Um, we had a, a full-page ad on the back of the Express. We have street teams handing out whistles with our cards attached. All this really trying to, to change the national conversation on
1: whistleblowing to bring more people uh, into the fall. We'll have more of this in a moment, but have you ever wondered how vulnerable your webcam is to a dedicated cyber attack? It's easy to get freaked out by what we see on TV every day especially when these kinds of attacks are happening around the world. But we just can't unplug and hope the bad guys go away. Too much of our lives are online. Wouldn't it be helpful if there are knowledgeable people who are willing to tell us what is and isn't possible? Well, the new podcast, Hackable from McAfee, is out to show you. The latest episode is called Camera Creepers. Having someone access your webcam feed without you even knowing may be quite unsettling, to say the least. Have you ever seen the episode of the hit Netflix show, Black Mirror, with a webcam hack? It's creepy to say the least. Jeff Siskin and his team of cybersecurity experts conduct in-depth experiments to uncover the truth about these kinds of cyber attacks. In this episode, they let a hacker crack into their test webcam, and it was easier than they thought. You may want to cover up your laptop's webcam after you listen. Look, if I told you before, I know the SpyCast audience is not your normal podcast audience. It's safe to say that many of you know a whole lot about this subject. What's cool about this podcast is that it does a pretty great job working the space between being accessible to novices with little information in the field and still providing solid information for those, let's say, more well-versed in the subject. This is information that comes straight from McAfee's experts, empowering people with specific things they can do to make their digital lives more secure. Good for your grandmothers and your neighbor who works for NSA. So, how worried should we be about our webcams? Listen to Hackable. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. One thing I noticed actually that was interesting to me was transition assistance because as you mentioned, this may not go all that well for you if you decide to come forward and become a whistleblower. Um, you know, you you've turned it into a pretty healthy career, but that's not always the case. I mean, yeah. whether you want to call someone like Thomas Drake a whistleblower or a leaker, he lost his security clearance, he was very high up in NSA, and now he doesn't have that same opportunity there are times when things go badly, even if you follow all the rules. Uh, what can we do, again, not only as your organization, but what, what can we do as national security experts and people within this field to start trying to redefine the afterlife of a whistleblower? They're looking sure. at each other to decide who gets the uh, response. Sure. To
2: so, <laughs> um, uh, Absolutely. Uh, so one of the things we've been talking about for the last few months is um it's scary to be a whistleblower uh so obviously the security i mentioned is one of the things we're trying to do to help reassure people to try to build trust with with clients um but you know what the protections are not strong enough today and you might be fired from your job and you know we can try to bring a claim and 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 get your job back but i I can't promise you we're going to win um so so with that we're trying to provide a full set of services to support more people and make more people feel comfortable coming forward. So everything from coaching with a public relations team and media media coaching, if you're going to the media, if you're testifying to Congress, uh, to literally financial help with your rent or your mortgage for several months while you find a new job, to even helping you network and find a new job. Um, we have a lot of people who support whistleblowers out there. Uh, we know almost all of them, they all want to help clients and whistleblowers. And you know, if you are someone with, you know, technical chops who knows about, uh, you know, penetrating computer systems, that type of stuff, there's a lot of work out there for you. And we'll help you find that Um, to even um, handing you a clean, dedicated secure device that you use to communicate with us about your case. uh, So that any communications you have are not on your personal computer on your personal phone um, to even you know psychosocial, psychosocial counseling and treatment uh, for people who are often going through some of the most stressful times in their lives
3: and I, I guess I would also add just going a little bit back the organization is not there to compete with other organizations that represent whistleblowers you know sadly there's more than enough work to go around we do have a national security background that doesn't necessarily exist elsewhere and a focus from many, many years, although we are not isolated to national security at all. We'll represent whistleblowers throughout the federal government and and the contracting world. But the strength there and, of course, what the notoriety is in the last decade or so has been from national security whistleblowers. that's where the line could be crossed as far as going into criminality that we want to protect someone. If someone at the Department of Education wants to blow the whistle on something that Betsy DeVos is doing, you know, they may face repercussions by loss of job, but they're unlikely to go to jail. And and we'd be more than happy to help them. In fact, if the information is unclassified, we'd be more than happy to help whistleblowers take their story public. It, the difference, so when we talk about from WikiLeaks, the difference here is we are not going to allow or or be involved with the illegal aspects of what we'll say whistleblowing, and there's legal issues that involve that, but just as a generic a generic term, uh, so there's there's one distinction that's there. But having represented whistleblowers for so many years, I see all the stresses that they go in. I, I echo what John says, you know, not fun to be a whistleblower in any shape or form. And I've had some real successes with people like John where they've done really well after. And sad to say, I've had some uh, real failures or at least in the sense of what, how I would judge. I don't think the whistleblower did very well in their world afterwards. A lot of that comes down to what the whistleblower of course wants to do. I'm a lawyer. I'm not a psychologist, psychiatrist or counselor. I can't help in that standpoint, but the group, that we're representing and, and handling actually can. And and most whistleblowers never get that type of help along the way. They get very isolated and it's incredibly difficult for them at work, in their even in their family, where they might not be able to share information. I think we are the first full service organization in that sense that I know of, who is not only there to legally protect the whistleblower, but also to help the whistleblower get through the process yep. We, mentally, securely, psychologically. It's
1: incredibly difficult to go outside of the chain of command. I mean, I, I think at the higher you get, it's easier. But you think of somebody, you know, we can argue all day about Chelsea Manning one way or the other about leaks or whistleblowing or anything like that. But if you did think that she was a whistleblower versus a leaker, as a PFC that's very low in the chain of command, And cr- if she had just whistleblown declassified information, it still would have been an incredibly difficult decision for somebody at that level. So if you're a rank and file worker at DOD or at CIA, the the choices are far more difficult, I would argue, than if you're an assistant deputy director seeing something because that's the beginning of your career. You've just finished going through, let's say you got a PhD and you know, ten years of your life was spent trying to get this job at CIA and you're risking all of that to you know, talk about some kind of thing that may not, and you could be cynical enough to say, well, it may not change everything. Because, I mean, how much, John, can you say, and I'm not trying to be critical about what you did, but how much can you possibly say was changed by your your whistleblowing?
2: Yeah, well, I would say uh, one of the successes was, we've put this issue on the map, and now people understand that 12333 is being used in this way Uh, advocacy groups are pursuing it. Um, I agree the policy has not yet changed. It's something I'm still very concerned about. Uh, And, you know, uh, part of the issue is changing policies in democratic governments takes time. It takes building coalitions and building power. Um, And it's especially difficult when it involves classified programs because there's not the normal level of public democratic debate about these things. So, you know, it's an ongoing process and, you know, I, I don't want to raise anyone's hopes that uh, the minute you come out and say all the bad things that are going to happen, you know, that are happening, that everything is going to change. No, it takes work. And that's what we are committed to. We are committed to building a community, a powerful community uh, that supports whistleblowers and that ultimately uh, does uh, bring about the changes that we want to see and, and, and make, uh, you know, make our government stronger uh, and more representative of, you know, the American people. Um I was thinking about WikiLeaks, uh, how we're different from WikiLeaks. When I started at the State Department, I took an oath, as everyone does who works for the government, to support and defend the Constitution and laws of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. I take that very seriously. Uh, Every indication is, and certainly the conclusion of the U.S. intelligence community is, that WikiLeaks deliberately helped the Russian government to undermine the 2016 presidential election. Um, that is it's hard to think of a more serious threat to the Constitution of the United States than that. Um, so uh, whistleblower aid, our organization is very much trying to uphold the oath and I, I, I think that anyone who supports WikiLeaks should think about uh, what role WikiLeaks is playing in, in this in this whole environment and I don't think it's a it's a positive one.
3: And Vince, going back to what you're talking about with, Manning, that's one of the failures in the system that whistleblower aid would like to correct. Manning had some legitimate, reasonable concerns about specific items. But as a PFC in the Army, at 19 years old, knowing how to go through the system is probably going to be unlikely, right. especially when Manning was in another country at the time in Iraq. Yeah one of the things that we want we are advocating and certainly i've been doing so for quite a while is if the united states government is so strong on paper in advocating for the existence of whistleblowers including presidents have said so i mean obama issued ppd presidential protect presidential directive 19. Uh, president trump has spoken favorably frankly about whistleblowers at the the united nations about at the at the veterans affair Uh, hasn't dealt with it in the realm that we're talking about but there have been favorable statements you know every federal employee goes through annual uh, EEO uh, discrimination training and it's on the computer most of the time so you may be just hitting the screen and the buttons look through look through look through And why isn't the same thing being done for whistleblowing so that if you have a concern if you see something that is unlawful uh, gross mismanagement waste fraud abuse I mean, whistleblowing, the language is very, very broad. It's not just even unlawful conduct, which is most of the time what we deal with, but it could be just gross mismanagement, quite frankly. You know, why isn't there some sort of training to tell people so that the Mannings of the world will know, okay, if I see a concern, this is who I can go to first, not by name, of course. This is the, the level I can go to first. If I'm not satisfied with that, this is where I could go to. If I'm not satisfied with that, I could go to the outside organi- an organ- in government organization. I can go to inspector generals. I can go to the Hill, my member of Congress, the oversight committees other agents depending on where you are. If you work at the CIA, you don't have to just go to the CIA Inspector General. You can go to the Office of Director of National Intelligence Inspector General. And having worked with these agencies, I can tell you they're not necessarily there to protect each other. In fact, very often they're at odds with each other. And I have cases now where, where one agency is, in, is investigating the other agencies, IG. The system can work if there are people who are involved who know how to try and make it work. Doesn't mean it's gonna be successful and a lot of times it's gonna fail. Hey, I knew when we brought John up to the NSA Inspector General's office, we weren't gonna change their minds at all. We weren't gonna get a remedy from that, but we wanted to demonstrate to them that we took this seriously and we took their role in it seriously and we had some very good substantive conversations that I think were helpful on both sides. And the fact that they praised and DNI praised how John went through the process shows n- not that by WikiLeaks, you know, saying that somehow this is a an entrapment plan to expose whistleblowers, but actually to show that there are those in the government who believe in whistleblowers but just want the system to work and the people to go through the proper channels.
2: Let me just state very clearly, <laughs> this is not an entrapment plan yeah. <laughs> for, for whistleblowers. Our first priority is to protect our clients at all costs, and we are ethically obligated to do so. That's why we've implemented all these security measures.
1: Well, I think the warrant the warrant canary was something that was interesting on the website. I that I found that. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Because there, there certainly has a, there's a dynamic there uh, that not only demonstrates that you are working on behalf of people, your clients, but that you do understand this this relationship between the, the federal government uh, and people who are currently working for the federal so, government.
2: So there are various legal mechanisms that the government can use, some which do not require court approval, to send sealed requests for inform- really demands for information from various parties. For example, a national security letter can be issued more or less unilaterally uh, by the executive branch to entities asking them for certain information and saying it's illegal to disclose uh, what we're even asking you or to tell anyone that we've made this request. Uh, we have put up on, on the website a warrant canary, like a canary in the coal mine, Okay, and, and it's in quotes and it says something along the lines of, uh, whistleblower aid has not received any sealed government or law enforcement requests for information about its clients or supporters. and. Uh, that's up there, it's true right now. Um, we have not received any such requests. It would be illegal for us to say if we had received an, a, a request, but it's not illegal for us to simply strike out that uh, that phrase uh, if it's no longer true, because under the First Amendment, we can't be compelled to say something that isn't true. Right. Uh, so this is really a way to, it's another step we're taking to try to build Uh, trust with with our clients.
1: So let's, I imagine there there are listeners out there screaming and, you know, in the same vein as Edward Snowden probably is reacting to this, saying, that's all well and good. But some of the most heinous things the U.S. government is doing, some of the most unethical, immoral things we're doing, can't be whistleblown in the legal sense because they're classified. So what's from keeping government agencies from classifying things they don't want to be whistleblown about, or even if it's not that nefarious, even if we get rid of all the law breaking being done and all the the mismanagement being done that's declassified, there's still a massive potential amount of bad acting going on in the
0: classified world.
2: Absolutely. And uh, we 100% agree that the government abuses its authority to classify information sometimes uh, in order to shield itself from scrutiny, in order to hide illegal activity. We agree with that that that, that occurs and that is a very serious problem. Um, What I'd say is, first of all, uh, the mechanisms are imperfect, uh, but they are still there. And uh, if we can help people use them, Uh, And try to bring these abuses to light in a way that doesn't expose you to years in prison or exile to a you know a hostile foreign country Um, we want to do that so this really is a client focused effort Um, the mechanisms are imperfect but they are there and they might be more powerful than you think Um, and you know part of the long-term effort here is to improve those mechanisms and to make them more perfect Uh, I would say If you come to us, we'll give you our best advice. We'll try to, in that situation in which there is a classified fact, uh, and and it feels like there's nothing to do except leak it, um, we'll talk through all your legal options with you. Uh, And if at the end of it, uh, you decide, you know, your conscience tells you you have to leak this, you know, that's up to each client. We we don't control our clients. We give them our advice. We try to help them. We represent their interests. We keep their secrets, but we don't control them. Um, and, you know, after you talk to us, you still have all the options you had before you talked to us. And, you know, uh, we would never say anything you ever told us. We we are bound by attorney-client privilege to keep your
1: secrets. Is part of the mission to, if they're in a position where they can't legally whistleblow something, is a classification? Is there even ideas about trying to get things foiled or declassified so that they can, in fact, have conversations about what they might see as a moral or ethical issue?
3: Absolutely. There, there are a number of mechanisms that we can do. When, let's say, if someone came to us and identified without revealing, hopefully, to us that there's classified, the specifics of the classified information, and frankly, I've done this in numerous times with clients. Uh, There are ways in which I can phrase things in the FOIA request to put it in and sue on those grounds. Now, that's a statutory ground. No person has any greater right than anyone else in pursuing information in that way. But there have been times where actually I purposely, either myself or a lawyer working for me, kept them out of the classified loop so that they could write an unclassified document that went to federal court to essentially blow the whistle on some aspects of things that I was able to feed information to them completely unclassified so that they didn't have to worry about pre-publication review because they didn't have any obligation and we didn't have to worry about what was in the document. At the same time, we can do what we did, we, we would have done for John and John mentioned, is by submitting something for pre-publication review while the person is either still inside the agency, which we've done before, or even now outside the agency but still has an obligation, if we sue on that, if NSA had withheld, frankly, even three words from John's op-ed, we would have filed a lawsuit under the First Amendment, which is now a greater right than FOIA as a statute, because John, or the individual, has that constitutional right to free speech if it's unclassified. And then we use the legal vehicle in that manner to challenge the information. And there have been a number of times where I've litigated against the CIA about highly classified information, and by filing the lawsuit, even with much less information, of course, because the document's unclassified, that there have been generated number of news stories and congressional interests and investigations into what was going on by the mere fact of us going to a federal court and litigating the issue. That would be an incredibly powerful weapon that frankly, other than in my law practice and maybe every once in a while that I see elsewhere, is not done very often, either because the costs are too high or the clients don't want it or maybe the lawyers don't know how to do it. Well, we know how to do it. In whistleblower aid, and we will do it, and we won't hesitate to do it. And and it's not just here we go down this route, we go down this route. We can go down multiple routes all at the same time. It's much in the way, and I think I've described it before in other podcasts, a guerrilla warfare against the US government. They are the eight hundred-ton gorilla. All right. We we are these little lawyers and whistleblowers, but you know, there was a reason why in the American Revolution we were able to defeat the British, uh, the big, powerful, most powerful army, military, navy in the world at the time. You know, we we hit, strike, and run. Hit, strike, and run, and we just keep on hitting until we can get our points across to get a discussion and hopefully affect change.
2: Uh, you, you mentioned uh, some names of s- some, some famous p- people who've been in the news lately and, and this dilemma about w- what to do uh, if you're faced with classified information that you think shows serious government lawbreaking uh, and you don't know how to, to deal with it. First of all, I have a tremendous amount of compassion for people in this situation. Uh, I wasn't quite in that situation really because I was a lawyer. I had the money to pay lawyers. Uh and so i was more empowered uh than many people who find themselves in that situation um and and it's honestly very tough uh on the one hand you have you know when you get your security clearance you are very clearly taught and you sign all these forms stating that you will not release classified information you have a legal duty you probably have a moral duty in most cases because Honestly, a lot of the reason many things are classified is to protect human intelligence, to protect sources. Um, and so there's good reasons for those protections, and I, I support those. At the same time, you have taken an oath to protect the constitution and laws of this country. Um, and if you're seeing abuses of the constitution and the laws, you actually have a duty to try to combat it. Uh, and that can put you in a very difficult place. Um, and so uh, I have a lot of compassion for those people. Uh, and the re- in fact, that's why we created this project is because not everyone has the advantages that I had. Justice should be blind. It's not always blind. And often uh, it's the more powerful uh, person who is already running the government, who already has tons of money to litigate things that wins. Uh, this effort is is trying to reverse that dynamic and trying to empower these people who, who, who are in this difficult position. Um, I would say. People ask, is whistleblowing the same as leaking? Or are they different? The way I think about it, uh, well, I mean, whistleblowing is reporting and exposing law breaking by government agencies or officials. Leaking is disclosing classified information to someone who isn't allowed to receive it. Um, I think of it as a uh, think of a Venn diagram with the circles. Right? Um, th- there's a circle for whistleblowing. There's a circle for leaking. Uh, and they're overlapping circles. They're not. They're not identical circles, so you can be a whistleblower without being a leaker. So if, if it's not involved classified information and you come out and show that there's some kind of corruption in an agency that's not classified, you're a whistleblower. You haven't leaked any classified information. You can leak classified information without being a whistleblower. So for instance, if you're uh, leaking you know top secret documents from an intelligence agency that don't show law breaking by the US government, you are leaking, but you're not a whistleblower. Um, And there is probably some overlap where people who are leaking classified documents of um, that show that show illegal activity by the government are both leakers and whistleblowers. Now, that's obviously a a, a, I would say a, a moral gray area. And I think reasonable people can disagree about it. I personally have a lot of compassion for people who find themselves uh, facing those choices. And this organization is here to, uh, to try to help them avoid going to prison or going into exile. Well, I,
1: I think you were kind of in that position where you had access to classified information, but because you had the ability to hire a lawyer because you had the ability yourself as I would, Yale Law grad. Yeah. We went 45 minutes without you mentioning that you went to Yale Law School. So I applied. you. are the only human being <laughs> who has ever been a graduate of Yale Law who hasn't mentioned it within the first 30 seconds. But um, you had that knowledge. You had the money. You had the ability to do that to separate the classified from the declassified. So you're able to be a whistleblower without leaking classified information. Is that a model? For people who have access to classified information, who may see things that they're worried about, how do I release certain things without releasing the classified side? I mean, again, I don't want to I don't want to wade too far into the Snowden Manning hot bus and issues, <laughs> I, but I can imagine somebody at an NSA or a CIA who's looking at a situation where you're like, man, there's something really morally wrong with this. How do I get word out about it without breaking the co- law?
2: Come to us. Mm. That's the answer. <laughs> okay, and and the reason is. Uh, I don't want you to go to prison. I want you to ideally keep your job. And if you can't keep your job, I want to help you get a new job that you'd probably like even better, honestly. Um, And uh, I want these abuses to come to light and I I, I don't want you to go to prison. So uh, I'm not saying, every case is different and these are very complex legal and moral issues. uh, So I don't want to give any firm answer, but
1: we are here to try to help you crack that nut and solve that problem in a perfect world, then, Mark, you don't exist in 10 years.
3: <laughs> I mean, there's no need for you anymore, right? I mean, you're basically, <laughs> your, your business model
1: true. is designed for you. If you succeed, that you won't need to be around anymore.
3: That would be fine with me. I have a lot of other things <laughs> I would love to do, including docenting at the International Spy <laughs> Museum. So no problem with that. Uh, I would love to think that. Uh, I've been around Washington now for almost a quarter century I doubt that will happen in 10 years, much less my lifetime. We, we know but it we will happen. We, will never
2: try. Hap- we yeah. know it will never happen because in every society and every government on Earth throughout history, rule of law uh, needs to be pr- protected, needs to be improved. Uh, and, you know, we all we, we love our country, but that doesn't mean we have a perfect country and it doesn't mean our government is perfect. Um, and, you know, uh, it's go- no matter who is the president, there are going to be concerns. Um, I was personally uh, a whistleblower under the Obama administration, right? Um, we're launching this under the Trump administration. Um, obviously, we have concerns about the rule of law today, serious concerns. Um, but uh, whoever's president next, uh, there will be concerns then too, no matter which party or which
1: person controls the government. Yeah, I mean, especially under The Rock. I mean, Dwayne Johnson as president <laughs> is going worry about whistleblowing there. Um, so how do you already talked a in little fast bit? Fast and furious. Yes. Uh, I, <laughs> well, anyway, that would be life imitating art and vice versa. So, wh- where are where are we when it comes to um, providing this beyond Washington D.C. Is or even thought about? Are you just trying to keep it local as far there, as in like, the United like, States or even well, outside I mean, the United you States? Know, I mean, you're thinking like you talk about you know Chelsea Manning was in Iraq, uh, Snowden was in Hawaii. Um, although he might have gone there on purpose. But there, Washington, of course, is his own little bubble. But the potential for people who are seeing lawbreaking may not be under the watchful gaze of those here in Washington. It may be on the outskirts where there's less oversight. There's less people
3: looking at what you're doing. That might be actually where this is most needed. Sure. We're, we're not at all isolated geographically to Washington, D.C. Uh, the advertising campaign is more limited to Washington, D.C. for obvious reasons. Where so many federal workers are. Yeah. Right, where all the federal workers are. Uh, well, I mean, obviously a large number of them. There's a lot all across the world. But that's the whole purpose of setting up the secure tour browser system for people to communicate in that manner uh, through signal, other other ways, uh, phones, at least to set up a process. There's certainly ways in which Either the whistleblower, potential whistleblower, or we as the lawyers can travel to go meet with people. I mean, you know, if you look at the classified leak cases in the last 15 years, uh, again, without getting into whether they're whistleblowers or not, just as a fact, most of them ended up getting caught because of technological problems that the government was allowed to or able to legally exploit and find them. So there are some values to, you know, meeting in a garage parking lot at 1.30 in the morning a la Deep Throat to ensure that the government can't identify who the whistleblowers are. And that's not at all limited to uh, geographical problems. So, uh, you know, have will, have travel... So to speak, however that saying goes, uh, we're, we're there to protect anyone yeah. who has information about the United States government and wrongdoing, mismanagement, whatever it might be.
2: And, and even more broadly, I mean, look, we're a, we're a scrappy startup. We have just a small <laughs> band of uh, intrepid lawyers and, and others, uh, wor- you know, working right now. Um, obviously, we need to raise a lot of money. Uh, we don't have enough money to do everything we want to do right now. Um, so, please, you know, get on the website, give us some money, tax deductible. Um, but assuming we do succeed, uh, we want to expand this beyond the U.S. federal government. Why not? Um, you know, in in uh, local police forces and prosecutors offices, you know, uh, there's allegations and often evidence that there are abuses going on. Um, You know, uh, innocent people do sometimes get railroaded in the criminal justice system, and and that's a serious problem. And there's people in these agencies that know about it. Uh, Why shouldn't we be representing them and helping them come forward and expose these these abuses? Um, If, uh, you know, private companies, tax evasion, environmental crimes, you know, regulatory issues, uh, even foreign governments, I mean, we would love to become, you know, preeminent premier law firm, legal group, we're a nonprofit that relies on donations um, around the world, helping people,
1: you know, deal with these kind of issues. So Mark Zaid, John Ty are the founders of Whistleblower Aid. Uh, it's a whistlebloweraid.org is the website. You can check it out. Uh, all the stuff that they're thinking of doing, and that'll also tell you if you're a, uh, a potential whistleblower out there, uh, how you can get in touch with them. Uh, I, I, I think it makes a ton of sense that if you're thinking about doing anything, at least figure out what your options are before you go ahead. Because
2: Especially
3: that's, from legal advice. Yeah. At least do that before you decide what you want to do. And,
2: and if, if you end up not taking our advice, uh, you know, your secrets stay with us.
1: Well, and and there's no, I know for a lot of people, financial constraints of going to a high-priced lawyer like Mark Zaid would be difficult to do. Uh, That's not a hindrance anymore. Yep. All right, gentlemen, thank you for taking the time to talk to us here on SpyCast. We truly appreciate it, and good luck uh, moving forward. Thank you. Thank you. The International Spy Museum is a full 501c3 nonprofit institution. To help support future educational programming, please visit spymuseum.org and click on our Donate Now link at the top of the page. We'd like to thank the Hackable podcast from McAfee for their continued support of SpyCast. You can check out Hackable through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts. Thank you, and we'll see you next week.
0: Hey, listeners. We're always looking for ways to improve the N2K CyberWire network and maintain the intelligence-driven news experience that keeps you in the know on the latest developments in cybersecurity. We've launched our 2024 audience survey and would love for you to take a few minutes to share your feedback. And hey, there's even a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card if you complete the survey. Visit cyberwire.com slash survey. That's cyberwire.com slash survey and share your feedback now.